So in the last podcast, I discussed Be More being a platform which provides millennials of African descent with the tools to pass down wealth to the generation which follow them. And I went on to expand the definition of wealth not just to include financial assets, but also cultural assets too. With that being said, I'm sure that some of you will be familiar with you know, financial assets such as property, um, equity in companies you know, in the form of shares, money etc., but maybe a little obscure when it comes to the cultural asset side of things. So to, spe- so to best explain that, let me pull you into a previous experience of mine. But before I do this, let me give a special shout out to Ken O'Corrafor, who goes into cultural assets into, in more depth on his platform, The Humble Penny, um, which you can find on YouTube and alongside other streaming services too. Two years ago, um, I was with a Jewish lady um, not Hasidic, but, but I guess, you know, just your normal everyday person. Her father, who's still alive at the time of recording, emigrated to the UK as a child alongside his family after Hitler's Germany invaded and seized his native Czechoslovakia, which today is known as the Czech Republic. And once settled in the UK, they were able to continue their family business and rebuild their wine distribution company. This was at a time when wine was becoming accessible to the mainstream population and was no longer seen as a drink solely for the upper classes. This meant big business and brought heavy financial rewards, a legacy which still exists in their family today. Be as that may, and the success his family garnered in this foreign land, my ex's father rescinded his Jewish ties as a defence mechanism, so to speak, to the social stigma which resulted in many of his loved ones being slain at the hands of the Nazis. And because of this, never read his children in a strict Jewish fashion. In fact, um, his, cho- his children were encouraged not to, as a means of social survival. Nonetheless, it was abundantly clear to me that through her upbringing, that she would be privy to cultural collateral that up until that point I would never had I never would have had access to. One of these things was money and its many uses, and it wasn't because she took a course or particularly had an interest in it, but because these were simple lessons which were passed down to her as a child. Lessons which she probably took for granted simply because that was all she knew. But nonetheless These very lessons set her up in a strong financial position, even up until this day. However, my understanding was yet to be peaked and reached the next level on our trip to to New York. So, she invites me um, to her cousin's wedding, which was in Manhattan. The procession itself was beautiful. The venue, the music, the, the cocktails, you name it. Everything was well planned out. But... This, funnily enough, wasn't my biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway from the wedding came at the ceremonial portion of it. So this was before all the firework and um, all the fireworks and festivities, and this was in regard to the rabbi and his reading from the scriptures. Please consider that this was a few years back, so my memory on it is a little fuzzy. But it, but to paraphrase, it was along the lines of, "We will not be poor." We will aspire for richness and help our brother who help our brethren who are in need. We will always do good by our community. And bearing witness to this really caught my attention, more so than anything, because I was raised Catholic and never had words 
in any mass that I went to come across so powerful and and so actionable from a spiritual teacher. In fact, I had mostly experienced the opposite. But le- but little did I know the role in which um, this experience would would actually play um, in my life later on down the line. So I go to African history classes in London, conducted by Robin Walker, who's a leading figure in black studies. And there was a particular class concerning Judaism and it originally being birthed out of Africa. And what was to follow will be one of the biggest revelations of my life. So when the end of the class um, was approaching and Robin was taking questions, I asked, what is it about the Jews and the mystique which surrounds them? Which was, you know, a burning question, at least to me, because I've always lived in Stamford Hill. Well, close to Stamford Hill, um, which is an area heavily, um, which is, you know, densely populated with with um, people from the from the Jewish community, especially Hasidic Jews. And Robin's response was, like the ancient Egyptians, um, the Jews have been able to to um, hold onto their culture across thousands and thousands of years, which is where the mystique surrounding their culture comes from, because only few civilizations in recorded history have been able to do that. Going on to say that the reason why they were able to do that, like the Egyptians, was because their culture systematically practiced something known as the success philosophy. This is where their culture demands that they perpetuate very specific rituals and routines which gears its its inhabitants not just to survive but to thrive and as soon as he said that i thought immediately back to what the rabbi was saying in the ceremony of that wedding which in the moment the link between our thoughts and what it is we're able to achieve became abundantly clear and what our culture feeds to us from our youth regarding our potential and expectations ties almost directly to what it is we become which brings me on to to um to a religious sect known as the jesuits who routinely boast give me a child in their first seven years and i'll tell you who they become when they grow up which is why when children go to private schools like eton and so forth which preaches you know supremacy social and social entitlement they're already being geared towards being in positions of control and power which is why you find most politicians and ceos from fortune 500 companies sharing this type of background whereas the children who's had more of a mainstream upbringing i.e public schools are shaped to be their subordinates and this brought me to my childhood because I can directly attribute things which I was told as a child which would have blatantly fed into who I've become today, positive and negative. And this shows what we plant into the minds of our children start off as little seeds but germinate and mature throughout the course of our lives. Which is why in order to reverse any cultural negativity we need to program our mind and the principles our culture is founded on. And the easiest and quickest way to do this is to make daily affirmations. And this isn't wishful thinking, but findings based on concrete science. I'm sure you're aware that our minds are divided into at least two parts. The conscious mind and the unconscious mind. The conscious mind is what we control, what we can control, 
and um, the part of our mind in which we're most aware of as it documents our real-time experiences and um, allows us to operate within those experiences accordingly. Whereas on the other hand, our unconscious mind is a library of all our experiences past and present which have been fed into it by the conscious mind. And from this collection of experiences, um, formulates our beliefs, our standards, our expectations, our sense of self-worth, our understanding of the world, etc. It is important to note that our unconscious mind is far more powerful than the conscious mind, but still relies on it to provide the data, which in this case is our experiences, to form its understanding of the world. And the belief is further reinforced the more frequently exposed to the experiences which validates it. So, for instance, if you're predominantly always having negative experiences, then your unconscious mind is always going to be, is going to be, for the most part anyway, geared towards negativity, and that's what you end up attracting. And the opposite holds true for positive experiences also, which is why daily affirmations are so important. Simply because it's our way of shaping our unconscious um, mind to the person in which we aspire to be. So, an affirmation, if 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 you're not aware, is just um, it's just something you know along the lines of telling yourself you're something every single day and um, and repeating it indefinitely. So, for instance, if you want to be um, the if you want to be a footballer and you want to score thirty goals. Something in which um, you could do is every morning, um, every morning you wake up, you can be like, by the end of the season, um, I'm going to score 30, I've already scored 30 goals. And do the same um, before you go to go to sleep as well. But the trick is to tell your unconscious that you're already doing it instead of saying that you're going to do it. And this way, when you're confronted with your desire, you already expect it and feel deserving of it, which is important because otherwise you'll descend into patterns of self-sabotage that repel the things, the very things you thought you wanted away. This happens in relationships, you know, where someone is more comfortable in dysfunctional, with dysfunctional partners rather than functional ones. And so when they're in situations where there is someone who treats them good, they'll partake in actions of self-sabotage, which ends up destroying it, simply because they can't afford to accept happiness as they're always waiting for the rug to be pulled under their feet. People partake in self-sabotage of money. You know, you see lottery um, ticket winners, um, athletes who amass, you know, great sums of money, but lose it within, you know, just a few years of receiving it. Um, you know, another example is um, people saying that, um, you know, they want to put money towards a house, but every single month, you know, they're spending their money on stuff in which they don't really need, you know, and um, self-sabotage is rampant, you know, when there is a misalignment with your conscious mind, um, i.e. what you desire, and your unconscious mind with what you expect and doing daily affirmations is um is one of the best ways to help actually plug that gap 
And it's important for you to know that this is very, very um, powerful stuff. And, um, you know, the, the philosophy in which we've kind of gone through today, um, you know, creates the, the spine and the foundation for very iconic books, you know, such as Think and Grow Rich, The, the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, The, the Science of Getting Rich, um, and other books um, of that nature as well. Because you need to know that, you know, nothing separates you from a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates, apart from what you think of yourself and what you think of the world around you. Because the same way you can have a success um, philosophy, you can also have a philosophy founded on unsuccess. And it was from that time at the Jewish ceremony and thinking back to my experiences as a child, um, which were fed to me by, you know, family members and peers, that a lot of times there were cultural norms and expectations which led to the, detrim to the detriment of um, myself, my family and just our community as a whole. You know, whether it was any time you see, you know, um, a black guy driving a flashy car, you immediately expecting that they're a drug dealer or that, you know, Caribbeans and Afri Africans um, of the diaspora can't get along or Jamaican men um, always, you know, leave their children or upon having them or being a man that is the right, having a long list of, you know, sexual partners and being unfaithful and, you know, a host of um, other things which um, frame us in a negative light to, to others, but most importantly, um, to ourselves. Um, I just want to, like, before I leave, um, I just want to kind of, like, just stress the importance of, like, creating a culture which is founded on, you know, replicating principles of success, of community, of, of, of nation building, um, you know, amongst, you know, people of our, of our community. Um, like, when I kind of think back to when I'm kind of just thinking of the subject matter that, um, you know, like the topics that I'm looking to cover um, in the in the weeks, months, and, you know, even years ahead, like this one here is probably going to be the most important, you know, simply because this sets the foundation, this sets, you know, the blueprint um, for everything else that will be um, built upon it. So... You know, if this is something which um hasn't you know like fully digested, like um I really we can I really um advise to just kind of go back to it and you know start again, and um just to kind of keep on um reaffirming yourself with um the understanding of 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 the importance of you know something which in most cases you know would be regarded as and as insignificant, but this is the seed you know, of, of everything, you know, what it is that we want for ourselves and, and expect, um, for ourselves and understanding, um, the relationship between those two forces and doing your best to align those two forces, um, you know, as much as, as, as you possibly can, you know, so, um, I'm going to, uh, conclude there, but before you leave, um, please um, download um, the resource, um, the free ebook, which um, goes into how to, which, which, which gives you numerous examples of ways in which, you know, you can make um, passive income. 
um, you know, these are proven, these are proven um, steps in which, you know, thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people use, which has, you know, brought um, success um, to their lives as far as, you know, financial um, success is concerned. Um, and, and yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, I look forward to, to, um, to catching up with you on the next one. And, um, up until, up until that point, um, look after yourself and, and take care.